Welcome everybody to the Infinite Scale podcast. My name is James Vickery. I'm the CEO of Benchmark 365. And I'm really excited to have with me today, Colin Knox from Gradient. G'day, Colin. How are you? Hey, I'm doing excellent. I I thought we'd start with like, um, maybe how you got into managed services in the first place and yeah. maybe take me a little bit through your journey. Happy to do that. So I was, I was one of those people, I was working in an enterprise in the IT department and um, that business was centralizing all, centralizing all of their IT services into Houston where their head office was. And as part of that, they had kind of mentioned a expectation, not expectation of anybody in IT that wanted to keep working in IT for the organization to be relocating to Houston. And as much as I love the city and everything else, I just wasn't prepared to to uproot and move over there. So um, I went about the journey of finding a place where where I could work and have fun and and you know learn more. And I actually stumbled into a wasn't even called an MSP back then, but in 2004 jumped on with a. I was the fourth person of a small IT services shop. Um, and that was my first foray into IT consulting and, and actually into even small business IT. Like that's the first time I met small business server and packaged exchange and AD and, and everything else. And, and I'm so dating myself. I know this, but, you know, it, I learned so much working with that group as luck or not luck would have it. We had lost a client, so I was doing a knowledge transfer um, to another IT services company, larger one. And as part of that, they ended up coming being like, hey, the client really loved working with you. You seemed good. Like, what do you think? Do you want to come over and work here? And I figured, hey, that might be a bit more stable for me. And so I moved over and and, uh, learned a whole lot of that organization, kind of grew up through the ranks there until I was leading the service operations um, for the business. And um, kind of had this clunk over the head and like I think a lot of people do and say, hey, I think I could do this a little bit better. I, I might as well do this for myself. And and so I did. And I went and I started an MSP in 2008 uh, with a business partner. And I did a really shitty job at choosing a business partner. That's on me. So that business flunked and failed within nine months in glorious fashion. We can cover up <laughs> another brainstorm. You can read my story on LinkedIn. And so I started another MSP, which was just me. And, and it really was an MSP. We wanted to do the full flat rate, predictable services, proactive efforts and everything else. And and so I started that in 2009 and was, was very fortunate that I kind of just went really after it. I went hard and really believed in the value of it. And, and we were fortunate. We, we grew that to $4 million in revenue in five years. And as we were growing that business, we dealt with a ton of issues between you know, vendor relations and client relations and managing clients and making sure we were delivering everything. And there was all these moving pieces and it, it was awesome. Um, but then as, also as a course of that business, I founded a, a software company that um, was called Passportal, and I built that to really solve the problem that we had inside our business of giving a bunch of technicians access to the keys of the kingdoms of all of our clients. And um, yeah, went and, and ended up selling the MSP, um, went and scaled up uh, Passportal, and had a really great journey and a lot of fun doing that business. Met a ton of, you know, I'd like to call a few thousand really close MSP friends uh, along that journey. And we were acquired by SolarWinds in 2019. 
and uh, went into solar winds and kind of integrated that business and then um, took on the station of uh, and the posting of a VP of community at, at solar winds now known as enable it was it was 11 years of, of a lot of work between founding and building and exiting two businesses and left that business uh, just over a year ago and uh, took a little bit of time off and then kind of observing the industry saw there was an opportunity for me to leverage some of what my experiences were uh, running a channel vendor and what some of the experiences were running an MSP and kind of came up with this business gradient MSP now where we're trying to bridge that gap between vendors and and uh, MSPs. Man, that is such an awesome story. And for anyone that's listening, that's maybe just starting out, I think, listen to everything that Colin just said again, that you might be in the early stages of MSP entrepreneurialism, but it is such a vast industry and there are so many different opportunities out there and you just got to, there is a bit of a grind here and there to get to, you know, to obviously Colin, this didn't just happen. You didn't snap your fingers server two, from <laughs> server 2003 to pass portal to exit to gradient. But, um, it, you know, sometimes I meet a lot of MSPs, it's like therapy, you know, you're talking to people and they're like, you know, I just am struggling to get this thing off the ground. And, um, I'm always trying to encourage them to say like, it's, sometimes it's just one thing, you know, it might be a people play or it might be a tech play, or you might just need yeah. to get a bit better at sales or whatever, but we're, we're, um, we're very fortunate that we have infinite sort of possibilities in the industry and that there's, yeah. there's almost like infinite, um, capital in the industry as well in that there's just so many yeah. ways to skin the cat so really awesome man and thank you for sharing that I actually didn't um and again this is me having my head in the sand actually didn't know the whole story about you I just sort of saw a bit a bit of stuff online and you know we've yeah. um, tic-tacked a bit so it was really cool for you to share that um server 2003 small business server 2003 wow good I old think, days good I old think, days I think we're both showing our age there Colin <laughs> Um, and wasn't it funny and you'd go in and, and the client would be like, I just want email on my phone. And you would, you go like, what phone yeah. do you have? And they just, just have like an iPhone three something and, yeah. and small business server was the answer. It was the answer for every business. You had to turn and, on Outlook anywhere and OOA, like all these, yeah. all these <laughs> OWA, and then you had to flick certain switches yeah. and then. Yeah. Oh God. Now I'm having cringe memories of, I think it was called yeah. sling server where you had to do a migration. If a business with outgrew SBS and hit the, like right. not even the 75 cap of, of users, but like as soon as you got to 50 and then you do the sling, but then there was all these old legacy GPOs yeah. and stuff. All right. I'm getting too technical and uh, I'm going to have to like take a shower after this. Like, stuff. We, we, what we know stuff. right now is that 50% of the audience <laughs> are Googling what you're saying and 50% actually <laughs> just left. talking like, out just, of his they, ass they, or what is they this? They just stuff? switched to another, another podcast and that's okay. Yeah. That's all right, Colin. That's not a yeah. problem. What are some of, obviously you've been in the industry a really long time and you've been, you've worked probably with tons of MSPs, I'd imagine yeah. maybe hundreds, if not thousands of MSPs. What are some of the avoidable missteps that you see? What are some of the things that you look at and go, oh, I wish I could just speak to you all now and say, yeah. don't do that. I think, you know what, there's, oh my gosh, there's so many things. One, I think it, it's almost this juxtapose that there's either this level of overcommitment or undercommitment. And there's almost no in-between that we come across. There's a bunch of MSPs out there 
that are very gung-ho and they're awesome and they're early adopters. And I'm super grateful for them because without early adopters, none of my businesses would have ever done anything. But sometimes they overcommit and they jump in and then they put themselves in this precarious position where they've taken on more licenses or contract terms or whatever else. And then they fall behind or they fall under, or they can't, they can't get the deals closed to satisfy what they've agreed to and stuff like that. And that's tough. And then there's the other ones that are very undercommittal and it's, well, I, I can't do a one-year term or I can't commit to a minimum of 30 seats or whatever else it is. And then that unwillingness to commit hinders their ability to actually go to market with things or actually do things or even all the way to having and and building a plan, but then never executing against it. So I'd say like, that's one of the things. The next is it comes down to confidence. Um, And we've been having this talk a lot lately uh, at Gradient and and as we've been out and, and working in the community, but the amount of MSPs that don't believe that they are making the world a better place by doing what they're doing astounds me. Yes, you can look at this and just think, what the heck? We do desktop support. We're delivering IT services. We're not changing the world. Everybody wants this great purpose. We're not changing the world. You are changing the world and you need to get re-inspired. There's a reason that in many counties, countries, like regions, IT service providers are listed as an essential service. Mm -hmm. The modern business world runs on information technology. Without Mm. it, they can't do business. They can't deliver health and and benefits they can't deliver financial services they can't deliver legal like everything runs on technology you Mm. keep that technology running and it sounds like an overused cliche the world runs on technology and you're the ones running technology you are making the world a better place Mm. you're ushering in the next wave of digital transformation so get confident about that these people and these msps that are walking into scenarios where they say i can't charge x dollars per user right or my clients don't value it i guarantee you they value it unplug the network for five minutes and that'll show right. you how much they value it uh, that's right? the, that's where i was gonna sort of jump in and that's that's what we see and yeah. particularly right now we see this crazy paradox where people are still discounting or not even charging for for like the value of the service they provide at a time where there's actually a global skill shortage because every single company in the world is trying to pivot to remote, right? And every single company in the world is trying to protect their perimeter and make sure that their business doesn't go down at all. And every single company is trying to maximize productivity because they've lost about six months over the last 24 months and yet we talk to guys and they're like i'm going in on price now you you look at the money the money that was being thrown at technology urgent emergency technology solutions Mm. when you know and it feels like forever ago now Mm. but when there is this massive shift to work from home right and everybody had to telecommute and remote land and everything else the amount of money these businesses were willing to shell out without budget, without plan, mm. without anything to keep their businesses running because the technology mm. that they needed, that shows you how much they need the technology. Mm. If, they, if they didn't value IT, mm. they would have been like, eh, we'll figure it out. Eh, we just won't run. Eh, we'll wait till this whole thing blows over or whatever else, right? Like it's, it's a real thing. And, and you got to go in with that confidence that you are making their business viable, survivable, mm. thrivable, mm everything 
by the technology that you're maintaining and keeping running and what you're doing for them. And so there's so much like you got to give your chest that pump and, and walk in and do it because right. yeah, it's, it's just as good as anything else. You're keeping their business alive just as much as any doctors are keeping people alive. Like, and that's it. You know, that's a, that's a good example. Like when you say doctors, like I always like to, to talk to our partners and say like, you're the surgeon, you're the prize. Right. And yep. so if you walk into a doctor's office and you're like, then you just bust past the receptionist and you say to the doctor, like, uh, you know, just do this for me. And, and, and yeah. like, I'm not going to pay you. You'll get frog marched back out of the office. There's a, there's yeah. a certain set of posturing that happens with a doctor that ensures that they're remunerated effectively for the skill, the level of skill that they bring to the yeah. table. And most of the um, MSPs and technical people that I deal with are highly skilled and have refined this yeah. art form over 15 to 20 years that they can answer a question off the top of their mind and should be compensated according to that. Um, yeah. and, and to use an, a completely different example, um, we see plumbers charging more than MSPs. We see yeah. carpenters charging, you know, like, like, and not to, not to discredit those professions. These are tough, like tough and challenging professions, but MSP, obviously there's a lot that goes in like mentally and there's a lot of time and there's a lot of yeah. um, sacrifice, uh, particularly in terms of the hours that most yeah. um, MSP entrepreneurs work. It's like, guys, you can charge. And I think um, people like Colin and myself, we have this 50,000 foot view of the industry where we know it's just, there's basically a trillion dollars washing around globally of yeah. IT service fees. What would it take for you as an entrepreneur to just pick up, you know, a chunk of that? Like you don't, you don't need to diminish the value of what, of what you offer yeah. just because you're in a, maybe a regional town. You know, some of the most successful MSPs we've met are actually based rather regional, not based in cities, yeah. which is fascinating. Yeah. You know, you'd always think, oh, maybe that would be the cheaper kind of MSP, but yeah. no. They're like the big, they're the big ones. They're Supply the big and ones. demand, brother. Supply right. and demand. Supply and demand. Right? And, and, yeah. and th these people are paying, whether it's cash out of pocket or cost to their business success or productivity, they're paying one way or another mm. for either having or not having that service. Mm. And it's just translating that to people. What, what also astounds me, and we're digging into this a lot more right now, is... I get it. Like it's hard to sell. And, and I get the whole facet that most MSP owners and entrepreneurs were those accidental entrepreneurs. You were a technician, whether you were at an enterprise, whether you worked for another MSP and you figured I'm going to start doing this for me. And you didn't go into this with an MBA and a business plan and everything else. You just had your laptop, your toolkit and a dream, right? I get that stuff. And, and as a result, we're not overly salesy people. As, as a culture, let's call that what it is, right? It's taken me a long time to be able to even do stuff like this. But mm. if you do sell something, charge for it. You know how many MSPs we're coming across right now where they've sold a bunch of services, they're delivering a bunch of services, and then they're not even making sure that they're getting paid for those, whether that like every little thing, whether it's like licensing for for Microsoft 365 or the SaaS backup or email security or some other thing and they're just letting things slide because it's this uncomfortable conversation or whatever else like no if you're delivering something if you're paying for something for you to deliver that you need to get paid for it and so instead of always worrying about how many more clients I can bring in and can I charge more can I do just charge for what you're delivering like get paid for what you're doing right right, right. don't let that stuff sit on the table there's a couple of things to unpack in there. Um, and I was one of those people that just, 
what do they say about the mother of all necessity? I just needed work. And so I went and knocked, yeah. I was good, good at computers. Uh, I didn't know what a small business server was at the time. I, I don't even think I'd ever touched a server, but I just went door knocking businesses and um, handing out business cards. I didn't even know that, that, please don't follow my advice, by the way. I don't know if that would work in this day and age, but at the time there was, it was actually quite yeah. easy to just walk in knock on a door and get rejected by nine people. And the 10th person would say, yeah, can you come and fix my printer yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Um, what I find fascinating is how many MSPs obviously started the same way that I did in some way, shape or yeah. form. And will tell me after now, 20 years later, when they're, they're looking to talk to Benchmark, they'll say, I'm no good at sales. And I'll go, okay, show me your business. And they'll be doing, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, hundred thousand dollars in revenue maybe a million revenue which is it's nothing to sniff at you know it's it's yeah. great and they'll have 30 customers and I'll, and they'll say i don't know how to sell and I go well where did those 30 customers come from man yeah right where do they come from i just picked them up organically so, right well that's that's actually sales and you can be more deliberate about it but the yeah. reason that you're able to pick those customers up is that you're a natural like you're a natural helper yeah. You knocked on doors somehow, virtually, or someone came and found you. And, and bit by bit, you picked up this book of 20 or 30 customers over the course of 15 or 20 years or whatever. You yeah. can now, you can be more intentional about it. Try to capture the essence of what, yeah. you, were, what you were doing when you were a, maybe a one man or one woman show. And you were just like, I need work. And yeah. I want to help people. And I'm good at computers and I'm okay at 365 or whatever it is. So yeah. I don't buy this whole, I'm not good at sales. Like I, no, I just, and yeah, I think everybody says, well, a lot of people say there are people that say that they're killer at sales, but it's, it's just an, it's a natural thing as a human being, unless you're not a human being, you've been pretty much selling since the day you were born. Every, right. You're always selling. Everything is selling, right? right? It's, the act of and, and like art of persuasion, whether you're trying to coy your parents into buying you that thing that you saw in the in the catalog, the wish book or the on a commercial somewhere that you saw, you're trying to sell them on buying right. that for you. You're trying to right. sell them on letting you go for a sleepover at your friend's house, letting you have an extra piece of pie. As you're in school, you're trying to sell yourself on people being friends with you. You're trying to convince people. You're trying you've been selling your whole life right. to try to do things and get things. It's no different here, right? Like it's just the act of persistence. When, when you got married, if you're married, if you have a life partner or a partner, spouse, whatever, you sold yourself to them, right? right? Like in a concept and that, you know, everybody thinks you're not good at sales. If you walk in and you make a pitch and they don't say yes and sign up for something right away, right. that doesn't mean you're a good or a bad salesperson. How many people walked up to, you know, the person that they're spending their life with now at a bar and just said, hey, you want to get married? Right. If they said, no, does that make you a bad salesperson? No. Right. right. You go about pursuing and courting and learning oh. and, right? Like you, you, you prospect it, you nurture it, you, right. you usher it along, you prove yourself, you earn the trust. Right. And then you move it and you make the sale, you close the deal, right? Exactly. You've been selling your whole life. If you've achieved anything, if you have anything, any friend, any person in your life, you like you got anything given, you've sold successfully before. You can do it again and again and again. It's just a natural human thing. It's just having back to that confidence that you believe in what you're selling. And if you don't Absolutely. believe you're an essential service, if you don't believe you're making their business better, 
Mm. Then you're not going to be a good salesperson and maybe you shouldn't even be doing what you're doing if you don't believe that because you should really love what you're doing and be passionate about the, the value it delivers. But, mm. you know, that's another mm. topic. Well, I mean, well it, it, it is and it isn't, right? And I think there's there's a couple of couple of things to unpack there. And one is what you've talked about is that you've been selling your whole life, but but you people often have a fear of selling to like that, like bigger company, for example. I remember because I never came from the corporate world. I've never worked in yeah. a big office. I never worked in a big company. I always came from sort of like, you know, a kind of grassroots small business kind of, you know, world yeah. in, my, in my upbringing. And so I was terrified of the, you know, the big office building, the big glass building yeah. and the boardroom. And I was terrified. And then someone said to me one day, um, <laughs> James, they're just guys like you trying to solve a problem. <laughs> like, right? yeah. like they're exactly the same. Like, and they, this person sort of taught me to kind of think a bit more like who's in the room. Oh, it's, it's John. He's 35 years of age. He's an accountant. He's, <laughs> he's got problems with it. And he just really just doesn't want to deal with IT. He just wants to be, to be an accountant or even, even better. Yeah. He doesn't even want to be at work at all right now. And so once I kind of learned that, oh, they're my equivalent, they're not my better, right? Yeah. They're just my equivalent and they need, they've got a problem. I'm going to come in. I'm going to see if I can solve that problem. Yeah. Chances are I can because I'm pretty good at IT. Bang, all of a sudden business grew by like um, leaps and bounds as soon as I started yeah. to get that mindset so i think um mindset is what you're really referring to there and intentional focus of like you know consistently selling as opposed to letting things kind of land in your lap i I find failure is the best way to learn how to sell like i just i just think um every single time we went as an as an msp or even as benchmark where someone has said no i i'm grateful for that because yeah. like, okay, well, what would it have taken to make it a yes? And then so then we would adjust our products and then we'd get it, you know, get another no. Well, what would it take to make it a yes? And eventually, like the maturity of what we yeah. sold, it became easier and easier and easier to sell because lo and behold, we weren't just copying and pasting someone else's pricing model or someone else's. Yeah. We actually actively in our market at the time in Sydney, Australia, and saying, um, like, what is it that you want, Mr. Customer? Yeah. What is it that you're looking for? Well, and we just repackage our program around that. Yeah. And, and you kind of said it like, while you're selling something to a business, it's still a person that's making the decision, right? People have human tendencies. They've got self-motivations. They've got things that drive them. They've got pains that they feel. They're not all robots that are like, company must be more profitable, must have best price. No, they're right. humans. And if you go around and you ask everybody that you've sold to and who's bought from you, why did you buy from me? Mm. I would venture to bet that they actually couldn't put their finger on why they bought from you. Right. It probably wasn't in most cases that you had the better price. It wasn't in most cases or any cases because of the RMM you use mm. or the PSA. It's, it's not because you wait, have wait, wait, an easier way to it's submit definitely- tickets. It's definitely right? not the RMM and the PSA. No, let's just call it, that right now. Yeah, no, and it's it's yeah. not. It's not the tools. It's no feature yeah. about you. It's because you were persistent. Because you built a relationship with people over time, and they just liked you. They felt like they knew you, that they could trust you, and that's mm. what did it. You're gonna get more information from the people that didn't buy from you mm. than you will from the ones that did. Is go back and say, just help me understand. What mm. was it? You're not going to hurt my feelings. Maybe mm. it does hurt your feelings. Tell them it doesn't. Mm. But find out why didn't you buy from me? What was it that discouraged you? What mm. turned you off? 
Mm. So that you can figure and right, repurpose that and understand it. And if it is pricing, don't go changing your pricing because one person didn't buy from you. Change your pricing if 20 people don't buy from you because you're pricing and you're only closing one or two other deals. Mm. But listen to that stuff as the feedback that's going to help you understand where you can be better positioned, how you can better earn their trust and, and their you know attention and stuff like that. But totes. And um, another interesting thing that you're touching on there is, you know, to me, the minute price comes into the conversation suggests to me that there's not enough pain. So if someone, if I'm talking with a, a you know, a prospect of an MS, a potential MSP client or a potential benchmark partner, and the first thing that comes up is price, it's like, oh, you're not, you're not in enough pain because people yeah. that are in like the people that need you know, technology services yeah. of some kind, they will start with, these are my problems. These are all of the problems that I'm having. And you just let them talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I've tried to tell our partners many times who say, oh, you know, I think I'm going to go in at, you know, $120 an hour or something. And you go, what would be the difference if you were 180? Oh, it's yeah. too expensive. It's But if you're solving a pain point, that business well, owner that's... could not give a shit about $60. Like that. that is not the you thing. You know what? You know, <laughs> I, I love that you're bringing this up. Um, so I, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I just love reading and seeing what people are saying and what's going on and stuff. And, and I saw a post today from um, an MSP that put this whole post out about, you know, before the end of the year, there's no better time to switch your IT partner or your, your MSP or IT service company heading into a new year and stuff like that. And, and I guess I might be wired different, but I wouldn't wait in a car park waiting for people to pull in and park their cars and then try to sell them a new car because clearly they see the value in a car and they own one. So clearly I can sell them another one. They already have that problem solved. Right. I'm going to be the guy that's not looking for people with IT services already or an IT partner or whatever. I am the guy, if I'm trying to sell a car, I'm standing by the bus stop. I'm staying at the bus station. You're taking that, you got a need. You need independent transport. You need to be less dependent on, you know, the shuttle. You have that extra walking path. You can go direct door to door, right? Like find the people that have a pain, not the people that have kind of solved it already. Right. And, and move to those people. There's right. no, no use in you knocking on a door mm. where they've already owned or have bought what you're selling from someone mm. else. Because mm. the ability for you to convert them is very low. Because you're the un unknown factor mm. in that, right? I, what you're, yeah, I mean, man, there's so many, so many things to talk about. And I really appreciate having you on the show. To me, um, the ability to just ask questions and uncover that pain is like the key to everything. Like the, like, yeah. and we, we just had an opportunity to work with an MSP that's based out of Idaho and they're in a little bit of trouble right now. You know, they can't find people. You know what's happening at the moment in the US colonies, like a lot of the coast-based MSPs are poaching workers from the Midwest yeah, because they can't find people. It's like this big <laughs> labor show. These guys are really smarting because they're losing people. And um, I said, okay, have you spoken to some other potential partners that can help you with this? 
And they said, yes, but the, the biggest difference between those conversations, the conversation we're having with you, James, is all you've done is ask a lot of questions and all they did was produce a slide deck. deck. I'm not criticizing, yeah. like I know that people have a bad day in sales or whatever, or it seems like the yeah. right thing to do. But for me, the natural, the natural thing is to just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. And if I can't <laughs> uncover a need somewhere in there after asking 50 questions... And just being like trying to come in as from a selfless perspective of, you know, I just want to know if I can help you. Yeah. If I can't find anything there, then this is not a prospect. This it, is not an It's not. Give up the yeah. conversation. Keep them close. Right. Keep them warm. Same back right. to my, my, my example. Hmm. Check back. Maybe, you know, if they give you their information or whatever else, you can keep checking. At some point, their car might hmm. break down. Hmm. They might get in a car accident, unfortunately, right. and their car's a write-off. Now they need a new car. Right. right. It's about triggering events and it's so much is about timing. Right. And when you're there and being present, don't give up on every single person. Like I know is a no, that's mm. a maybe for later. Like let's keep in touch. I'll keep showing. And again, you might be told mm. no 10 times in over four years, five years, eventually that's going to come around and they're whoever's doing their IT is not going to, you know, fit the bill. They're going to be acquired and the company that bought them has dropped the service or up the pricing or doesn't Always. have the relationship anymore. Right. Who knows what happens, right? Like there could be a catastrophic issue, the negligent, who knows? You must see and this, now, in, you know, yeah. from Pass Portal and what you're doing with Gradient. We see it with Benchmark. I wish we could share somehow how much movement there is in the market. Like there's, there's always a client that's like, this isn't a great fit anymore and I'm going to go to a different MSP and there's always a client that's coming from another MSP that's moving out. Like it's a, it's a very liquid thing that's going on in yeah. service. This isn't just unique to MSP. We call it the leaky yeah. bucket, right? In, in managed services, <laughs> which is that there's, it's not your fault. Like a client could leave, right? Um, yeah. Because they've just, you know, they've decided that they want to change or they've decided that they like the cut of someone else's jib and they want to work with yeah. them. And yep. so, but knowing that's happening to you, just understand that that's happening to the 50 other MSPs in your town. And so yep. the market's on the move and the opportunities are always there. I wish I could somehow quantify that and show that to people that there's just, there's just billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars of opportunities right, right across the world. It's crazy. Even, yeah. even in a country like where I'm based in Australia, where we, you know, there's 23 million people or something a pretty damn big market and there's not a lot yeah. of like there's really not that much competition all you got to do is go out there and knock on doors and um, yeah something it's a global out. market now like Close. it's a global yeah, market totally. it, it always was right but there was blinders on and everybody was walking door to door or hitting the other right. offices and the buildings where they service or whatever else right you're delivering remote services Right. As long as you're awake and available, it doesn't yeah. matter if they're on this side of the, the continent, the other or overseas, like you can deliver that service. You can't right. go there and push a button. But how often is that still happening these days? You know, yeah, with, with IP it, connected, like everything yeah. else. So, and if, if it is, you might need to look at your stack and see if you can find a way to yeah. make it remote. Um, yeah. So, it has been a very, so we're at the end of 2021 now. We're just sort of coming into Christmas and um, can't believe I just said that. But um, uh, it's been a harrowing couple of years, I would probably say, is a fair fair way to describe yeah. what the world's been going through. And I would also say for most MSPs we've made, it's been probably two of their best years that they've had, but yeah. not everybody. Some some have had some struggles. Um 
now that this is behind us, I hope, what, where should MSPs be focusing their efforts in 2022? I think, you know, a lot, a lot of the last two years has been emergency tactics, right? There's been rescue and then there's been stabilization. And my opinion, and when you look at, at any of the research out there about the value of an existing customer and the cost to maintain versus cost to replace or add new, this is the time where as things are getting back to normal, this isn't where you're going out and renegotiating and up in contracts or trying to sell more or trying to do whatever losing focus. This is where you just prove that we're still here and we got through this together mm. and everything's good. This is the relationship, you know, solidifying stage and making sure that everything's still good and talking. Now let's talk about the future, not let's try to sell you something else right now. It's you're stabilized. We made it through. Everything's good. Now let's look to the future. Like what does the next year look like for your business? How can we be a proponent for that? What do we need to do to prepare to help you with that? Um, and start having those conversations that really solidify that relationship so that as times move from normalizing back to the good times and the good mm. times will come, it's, mm. this, it's the cycle, the ebbs and flows of the world. Those good times and a boom period will come. Right. I would personally want to have the best possible relationships with all those companies as possible so that when they're in spend, spend, spend mode and grow, grow, grow mode, Mm. We're the guys, we're the girls that are there to, to solve this for them and, and, and continue helping them through it. So, you know, I'd, I'd be making sure that the relationships are fostered, that this is almost the period of thanks for sticking with us, slash you're welcome for helping you through that. Um, and, and just keep solidifying, keep driving that. Um, and then as it goes, then where can you leverage those relationships to introduce you to other people and, mm. and continue going? I think, you know, we had that, that um, tactical period in, in 2020, which was just the sky is falling, do whatever you can. Let's do this. Everybody's running around crazy, mm. has no clue what's going on last year or this year, you know, 2021 was a lot of like, we're still good. Like checking the pulse, making sure we're okay you know, really nervous, really hesitant. Now we're coming out of that, right? Like all the, you know, vaccines are getting put out and things are opening back up and the world of commerce is getting back and active and, and stuff is happening and moving and shaking. So as people are getting more to that level, it's the, let's reestablish, like, let's just re reset where we're at, reset that we're, we're strong partners together and solidify those relationships so that as we go into 2022 here, as we're surging out, you are a part of that next wave of spending and growth that they're looking to get back and, and gain back to where they expect it to be. That's great advice. Yeah, I, an observation from where we're sitting now is that this is a time where clients may actually be reflecting as well on their experience over the last couple of years and whether their MSP did, did meet their demand um, yeah. and was able to sort of work with them. And, and anecdotally, we can, we can <laughs> see some movement happening out in the market where reviews are happening with, with um, MSPs. And I think going back to our sales conversation, don't forget that these questions that you're asking prospects, you should be asking your existing clients because things yeah. have changed. 
um, we're hearing things like people have moved, you know, like executives have moved across country or across world mm-hmm. and are never coming and are never coming back. They're happy yeah. living in some exotic location now and they're working remotely. And this was their moment to kind of just bail yeah. out of wherever they were. And so now would be a great time to start asking a lot of questions of these existing clients and saying, like, have your goals changed? What does 2022, like exactly the same question I asked for you, what does 2022 look like? Um, And you might be surprised that they weren't expecting that question and that they don't have a lot of trusted advisors around them. And that, and that value, reinforcing that value of trusted advisory, whether you go global, whether you're targeting customers across the country or across the world, don't lose that, that sort of localized status of like, I'm thinking about your business. I've been thinking about your business and I want to know what your plans are for 2022. I'm not here to sell you more IT stuff. I just, yeah. you know, I just want to know what's happening in your organization and where, where your head's at. Um, so I think, yeah, good advice, um, Colin. Thank you. Um, what's this gradient thing that I keep hearing about? I see this funny logo and uh, (laughs) you're just, you know, I see your face popping up on panels and LinkedIn and and Facebook and all that. What's that all about? Yeah. So we, you know, kind of, like I said, I've walked more than a few miles in the shoes of, of an MSP. I've, I've been in the, in the trenches as a, as a channel vendor and sat in the, sat in the seats and I, I see this, this kind of gap between MSPs and their vendor partners and so much dependency in, in each other's businesses relies on the other uh, stakeholders in this global managed services ecosystem. And, and yet there's, there's this, I guess, disconnect and understanding of, of both sides and what's happening. And, and there's, no shortage of posts on Reddit saying that the channel vendors don't get us and they don't understand this and complaining about stuff. And, and there's no shortage of vendors being like, we just, we don't know what, what to do. Like they just, the data doesn't exist out there. And, and then there's so many components that come into play where vendors are working with channel partners and, and their MSP partners, but they just don't understand what actually goes into selling and delivering and administering their solutions. And um, so we, we kind of came into this place where, you know, how can we help drive a better understanding of what's actually happening in the industry? Like you said, I wish there was a way we could tell, you know, what's happening for MSPs, what's working, what's not working, and all of these different things and, and different areas around the world. Everybody wishes they knew that. MSPs wish they knew what other MSPs were offering, what they were charging, you know, what's working, what's not working, what what they're keeping, who they're working with, all that stuff. Every right. channel vendor wishes they knew what are end clients in the SMBs buying, how are they buying, what are they paying, what's you know, what what kind of businesses are they, you know, and and just everybody wishes that they knew this information. And so, what we're putting together is is this business automation and integration platform. And that sounds like a lot of buzzwords, and it's a mouthful to get out, but what we're doing is building a way where as an integration hub, we can allow any type of product to integrate through to an MSP stack, essentially empowering them with the freedom of choice to choose the solutions that are best fit for them, not just restricted to the solutions that integrate with the PSA they run their business on. And then being able to understand how that stuff connects and, and allowing 
other best of breed solutions and other channel vendors to be able to satisfy partners that work on, you know, different PSAs or, or have different business models and ways that they go about their business. And so the first thing that we've, we've decided to solve in that is automating the billing reconciliation. You know, all these clients, they're all small businesses. There's turnover, there's growth, there's dynamic right. changes in their consumption. Especially of- now. Right, Especially but and of how yeah. many services as an MSP I'm reselling. So instead of them having to do this manual, laborious process that's just mind-numbingly frustrating, we're automating that task where we're allowing channel vendors to integrate through and automatically write to any PSA, so that when a, when an MSP goes to bill at the end of the month, they don't have to go through ten hours of drudgery or more to get to a point where they can click the invoice now button. It's just all written there. They're getting paid for everything that they're doing. And then at the same time, it's just, it's making it easier for the, for the channel vendors to not have to navigate which PSA I should integrate with, which I should do first, which is next. How much is this going to cost me in R&D? You know, all of those types of things. And then ultimately fuel what we hope to be a really strong and anonymized collective data set that can start to inform this industry and provide industry intelligence that it seems like everybody is so hungry for, um, where we can start to tell MSPs what product categories might be missing from their stack, where they're overcharging, where they're undercharging, where they need to bundle, you know, and we can go back to channel vendors and help them understand average business sizes that are most consuming and adopting their solutions, where even MSPs are spending the most time supporting their solutions so they can fix those, you know, and all of these ways that we can leverage this intelligence to just make this industry a better industry to be a part of and just more successful for everybody. That sounds really awesome. Um, And I encourage everyone to check out what Colin's doing because he's a smart guy and Seems to seems to know what's going on out there, which is which is really cool. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I understand that you just did a cap raise as well, which is pretty impressive for. A, we did, for, yeah, for we did. It's a, yeah, you know, it's it's we we've said for a while that this is an audacious mission. We we are not that is not lost on us of what we're trying to achieve, and and so you know we're we're in this mission and on this journey and welcoming everybody into it to to be on it with us and and so we call it our journey of 10,000 steps and as we got further in and a few steps in we figured this is a journey of 10 million bucks too like this is not a cheap endeavor to try to go down so uh, so yeah we we just raised uh, what in the SaaS and tech world is called your series A fundraise so we brought on 10 and a quarter million dollars um, to really go after this, to, to, you know, we're convicted about how much the industry needs this and how much we want to deliver it. Um, and so we've, we've gone out and raised this money and we've got investors that are very convicted that the industry deserves this as well. And, uh, and yeah, so we're scaling up the business, bringing on a bunch of people, getting out into the industry, engaging in the community to find out how we can best serve MSPs, how we can best actually impact their businesses. Not this, you know, we don't want to be saying your success is our success. That's what everybody says, right? Mm. We actually want to prove how we can impact your business, where we can recover revenue that you've already sold and you're not billing, where we can automate and take those tasks off your plate. Because I was the president of a, you know, at one point, a 10-person MSP. I know I was spending Friday nights and weekends doing things. I know I've lost moments with my children and lost Mm. moments with my family. And there Mm. was ways and stuff, whether it's, 
having time to go out and, and participate in your community and support charities and volunteer, whether it's being at your kid's sporting event or, or you know, like you mentioned, a Christmas concert at school, being able to have that flexibility to step away or that opportunity mm. to do more. That's how we want to impact your business. We're not looking to outfit you with more things to sell. We're not looking to just automate one other thing. You know, it's about understanding and working with MSPs to see how we can impact their business and how we can help them um, be better understood by the vendor partners that are looking to empower them in their own unique ways. That is really awesome. And it sounds like a great um, opportunity for people to underpin you know, what they're doing and make sure they're, they're monetizing what they're doing through this new yeah. um, technology. So thanks for coming on the show, Colin. It's, yeah, thanks, for, thanks we, for calling me, man. It's, it's awesome to chat. I don't know why we waited so long. Um, and I hope everybody got some value out of the show today. If you want to get in touch with Colin, um, how do they get in touch with you, Colin? Yeah, any social media at Reality Knox. Um, if you want to check out Gradient, meetgradient.com. I mean, reach out. We're we're here to serve the industry. Um, and we we really mean that. Like we're we're all about driving stuff up. We're always open for a conversation about whatever it is that you feel would be of value for you. So yeah, reach out. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone. Well, thanks, Colin, and thanks everyone for joining us on the show today. Yeah, and if you, you want to get in touch with Benchmark you can visit our website, benchmark365.com. Um, there'll be like a chat box that will pop up and um, it's not a robot. You can actually talk to a human being and ask questions about uh, how we work or um, ask to set up a meeting with someone from our team. So um, it's so funny. We look at the chat all the time and the first question is, are you a robot? And so awesome. this um, host of the chat has to say, has to answer some algorithmic questions. <laughs> And so that's, um, that's, awesome. that's why I mentioned that. Um, and you can also drop an email to hello at benchmark365.com and we'll get back to you within a very short span of time to say g'day. Um, and thanks again and hope to see you all on the next show soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to get your own copy of Infinite Scale, just go to benchmark365.com. And if you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions for future podcast episodes, just drop us a line at hello at benchmark365.com. Thanks for listening.